May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, dear friends, uh, people of St. Aidan's, uh, it is a delight for me to be anytime here with you. You always make one feels so welcomed and glad to be with you. And uh, to be here on the fourth Sunday of Advent seems like an added bonus. And so I'm very grateful. Uh, it's fun for me to be here. Since the last time I was here, you have a curate and his wife and family who are now with you. And that's wonderful. And to see Deacon Josiah going to lead the children Everything is wonderful. This is, this is good. This is exciting. Um, I, uh, I, the text which I want to preach on, uh, we're looking at the 12 last verses of the Old Testament from Malachi 3.13 through to Malachi 4, verse 6. I think that works out to 12. Anyway, it's in that neighborhood. Uh, and uh, just to say that the verse 2 and 3 of Malachi 4, Listen to these words. They've already been read once. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I have been fortunate to be able to uh, sit in by virtue of podcast uh, later on, but uh, the first three sermons of your series on Malachi, I want to congratulate. I'm, I'm guessing the rector, Father David, had a lot to do with the choice of Malachi. Uh, and uh, well done, Father David. And uh, uh, I want to say that there's a lot of reasons why it's the perfect passage for a congregation to consider during Advent. Not so much because there are four chapters, which is kind of handy. Uh, that's, that's nice. It's sort of nice that it's the last book of the Old Testament and looking forward to the birth, the coming of Jesus, etc. But certainly there is this aspect of, uh, for instance, the last two verses of Malachi 4, the last two verses of the Old Testament, look to John the Baptist, who is the prophet, who is to be a voice preparing a way for the Lord. Malachi 4, 5 and 6 said, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Well, what I want to say is that uh, Malachi's not an easy book, is it? <laughs> it's not one that uh, you find for light reading, you know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your door, read Malachi for a cozy little read or something like that. That's not what you think of when you Wade into Malachi. It's a strong word, a powerful word, a word which calls for repentance, which is not something we always want to be called to, 
even although it's life-giving. Repentance is the path towards life. And in fact, everything about Malachi is a call to repentance so that you can know life. Situation was post-exile. They're now back from an external, superficial level, you'd say. They're doing pretty well. They look pretty good. They're covering all the bases, more or less, it seems. Uh, and yet, uh, there is this problem underneath. On the one hand, God says in Malachi 1-2, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob. God said, for instance, in Malachi 2.4, So shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand. So God says, I loved you, and the covenant stands. But in the midst of this, there is this thing of drift from the Lord. There is a cold-heartedness towards God himself and the things of God. There is an outward sign of obedience but inward, breaking the covenant. Even the priests, especially the priests. And then last week, as we looked at Malachi 3, the first part of the chapter, we saw a fundamental disappointment with God. You've let us down, God. We thought it was going to be different. But you have not delivered in the way we thought. So we read at the beginning of our, our session the, this morning, Malachi 3 13, your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. Did you ever think that God takes it hard? Sometimes by what we say or by the attitude of our hearts? Did you ever think that impacts the living God? Well, apparently it does. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You said, it's vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers, listen to this, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. What's that about? There's a deep disappointment in God. It seems like the evil, it seems like those who bend themselves against God are doing very well, thank you very much. And those of us who are respectable believers trying to do things the way they're supposed to be done, we're the, we're the ones who are suffering and disappointed. This is not unique to Malachi. It's, uh, for instance, in Isaiah 40, he says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my way right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not become faint or grow weary. His understanding is inscrutable. And by 31, you know, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. So on the one hand, there is this sense of, I don't think God even notices what's going on here. I don't think he's, I think he's asleep at the switch. And he sure doesn't know what I'm going through. And he says, do you not know? Have you not heard? And he goes on and says, but they that wait on the Lord. The situation for the people of Israel at the time of Malachi was a lot like the church of Laodicea at the last book of the Bible. You know, one of the letters to the churches 
God, Jesus said, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. What you, that you were, e would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will, God says, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to appoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand in the door and knock, Jesus says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and will eat with him and he with me. The church of Laodicea was like the people of Malachi. They thought they were doing pretty well. In fact, really well. They thought they were rich. But in fact, God said, you're just the opposite. That's the situation. But though you may think, oh, one more week of being ground down into this where we lie, where in fact, what I want to say to you is that I got the easy task. I'm batting fourth. I'm, I'm cleanup batter. I get the good stuff, which I hope is going to be a source of immense encouragement to you, as it should have been to those at the time of Malachi. The point is that, in fact, in the, in the uh, last nine verses of the Old Testament, five times Malachi uses the word, and God speaking through the prophet Malachi uses the word, the day. Verse 17 of chapter 3, They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. Chapter 4, verse 1, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. And then 4.1, The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. 4.3, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of my feet, on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. And 4.5, Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Now, the day is code. It's a critical, important word which should be in neon lights as we listen to it, as we read it. This is not just a day like any other day. This is not just the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Nor is it even a super duper spectacular day. This is the day. This is the day, the great and glorious day, the day of the Lord. And so we understand as we read in the scriptures that history is his story. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1, John 1.1, in the beginning, uh, and, and then we get to the end of Revelation, we discover the great and glorious day. And so it is that history in Judeo-Christian, in Bible terms, is a line that has a beginning and has an end. When the Lord Jesus will return and time will be no more and he will usher in a new heaven and a new earth. This is the perspective of the scriptures and this is the perspective of God. And this is the perspective of Malachi, the prophet of the Lord. He is seeking to pr prepare them because there is a day 
that's coming. This is not just a Malachi thing. And in fact, remember Malachi 3, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant, which Father David rightly described as Jesus, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? This is speaking of the return of Christ. So it is that Paul, standing on Mars Hill before the brightest and the best in Athens, at the Areopagus, invited, given this immense honor to speak to all these learned, bright, Mensa uh, uh, kind of folk. Uh, and what does he say? He says, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man in whom he is appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So Paul is saying, get ready. There is a day which is coming and there is a man who will become as the judge. But good news the judge has already come and died on a cross and been raised to life never to die again, has ascended to heaven, is ever interceding for us, and he's the one who's returning, not to condemn the world, but to be savior for all who will run to him by faith. And Peter says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The whole of scriptures is looking forward to that day, unless you think, well, you know, they promised a lot, it was promised a long time ago, and I sure don't see it happening. What about you? Did anybody see it? You know, we've been believing it all these years, and where is he? He's saying, don't misunderstand. It's not that God's slow concerning the promise. That day is coming, but he's patient because he wants more to receive repentance. There is a day. Point number one. Point number two, the day will be a day of division. 3, 14 and 15, on the one hand you have said it's vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? But on the other hand, and, and also Malachi 4, 1, behold the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be like stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts. That's on the one hand. And so we need to understand there is a warning which is being given. A warning which is being given not to terrify us, but to cause us to be wise and to run by faith to Jesus. Because on the one hand there is that, but good news, the emphasis of this passage is on the other hand. So verse 16, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. 
And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. This is, this is amazing stuff. That in the midst of this sea of lukewarmness and coldness towards God and disappointment and superficial obedience, but in the heart far away, there is this group, there is this remnant, there is this company of those who fear the Lord and speak to one another about the goodness of the Lord. And the Lord is listening. It says, he paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Let me get this down. Did you hear? <laughs> sort of like the angels saying, hey, did you hear what they just said? You know, that's that good stuff. That's two thumbs up uh, and that kind of thing. So there, there, I, I love that. I love that. In fact, we're not saved by works. That's clear. For by grace are you saved through faith. But we are his workmanship created in, in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. And so our fellowship, where we bless the Lord together, blesses the Lord. When we in our Bible study come to truth and we declare it to one another, God likes that a lot. And when we witness to him to a world which is otherwise cynical towards the things of God, that blesses the Lord. Our worship blesses the Lord. And so it is that <coughs> we need to know that in fact, that's why Revelation 14, 13 says, I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, for they rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. The book of remembrance has them all down and it's exciting to the Lord. Is that not good stuff? That is wonderful in my view. So not only is there this, this joy in the Lord concerning those who continue to believe him and bless him and hold on to his goodness and his love and his kindness and his faithfulness, but there's also a day, the day, where there's going to be this glorious Yahoo time with God forever. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, that's Jesus, shall rise with healing in its wings, and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. I, I just love this stuff. I, I can't, can't get enough of this picture of, of the Lord, son of righteousness, beaming down his goodness. It's the goodness that Ephesians 2, 7 says, you know, his immeasurable goodness and kindness which he shows us for all eternity. That's what, what, what is going to happen for all eternity and it's beaming down upon us. I mean, that's a very Im immature kind of picture, but for what it's worth, I share it with you. But the part I really like is the leaping like calves from a stall. If you go on Google and put cows being released in the springtime, you'll get a whole list of videos, of, of pictures, of videos of cows being released after six months in the barn. And in one, the guy said it's April 3rd, and the poor cows have been in all for six months, 
And they're pretty excited today. They're, they're sort of looking, they don't look too excited to me. But anyway, when the stall is opened and they get in the field, these big, lumbering, otherwise stoic cows become like little calves, and they're dancing around, and they're bumping into each other, and nobody cares. Well, it's, it's, it's immense and glory. The closest I've ever seen, I've never seen that in person. But we had a dog whose name was Winston, who was a beagle basset. He was like a basset, low-slung and so on, long ears, long jowls, long everything. Uh, and when we bathed him, he hated it the most. We'd put him in the wading pool, and he would just sit there in, in despair. But capitulation as well. And the kids, our kids loved the day of his bath because they knew what was coming. So then we would wash him and then finally spray him and then pat him a bit and then lift him out of the pool and say, okay, Winston, you're done. And then he took off and we called it younding because meow, 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 all this and through our legs and up and over. It was nuts. Going nowhere fast. But in fact, the joy that it's all over, the burden of that bath, and you know, I think it's a lot like Father David's picture of the little one with the nose being wiped. That's what happened, happened for Winston. And I think you, my friend, who are in Christ, are going to be like that when you meet Jesus on that great and glorious day. And I trust you are one who will put your trust in Him. And if not... This is a very good day, even if you're listening to this months after it's been given. This is a very good day for you to run by faith to Jesus. Because he came not to judge, but that the world might be saved through him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him and believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And point number three, God says, prepare. Get ready for the, for the day. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And so John the Baptist was that prophet who immediately before Jesus was called to that in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Dear friends, Advent 4, there's a call to get ready, not just for next Saturday, but for that great and glorious day that lies ahead. It is a day that's coming. It will be a glorious day. It will be a day of division. And so the onus on us to share the message liberally and widely so that more and more can come. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Would you stand with me as we pray? Oh God, we thank you that you love us so much, that you discipline us, that you call us to repentance so that we with full hearts can be like those sharing the goodness of the Lord, which you will remember. But most of all, we look forward to that great and glorious day where you will rise with healing in its wings and we will go leaping like calves in joy for all eternity. Bless you and thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.